Jesus is risen. Right? That's why we're here. That's why I'm here. I don't know about you, but that's why I'm here, because we serve a risen Savior. I don't serve a dead Savior. So that's why I'm here. Why are you here? Shout it out. Why are you here? Why are you here? Worship. Why are we here? Fellowship. All in the name of who? Jesus, our Savior. The one who unites us as brothers and sisters in Christ. And like I said earlier, um, Jesus, this was probably the longest week in his life. And now I understand, I told you, I understand how it could be. Because I started last week, Palm Sunday, him coming into Jerusalem, and then we end up here at the empty tomb. He's risen. He's appeared to people. It's a long week, right? It felt like uh, three years to me, but it was only a week. Lots of things happened. We made it through. Jesus Christ entered Jerusalem on a colt. Remember this colt nobody's ridden before. Crowd shouted, Hosanna. Save us now. Jesus, next day, cleared the temple of all the sellers and buyers. And you've probably heard the story. Did anybody hear the story of the seller of doves? Did you hear it? His table was flipped over. He was mad that he wasn't making money, but he probably figured something out. Jesus is different. Jesus spent time with his disciples all week. They, he ate with them. He washed their feet. Jesus, we see praying praying and more praying from Jesus. And then one of his very own, Judas, handed him over to the authorities who arrested Jesus. Did you hear his story? Jesus then goes on trial. He's beaten. He's brutally beaten, shamed, though he was innocent of any crime. He didn't commit any crime. He was innocent. He was sentenced to crucifixion on a cross. Then he was led down the, cross, the way to the cross. And then he was nailed to a cross, hung on a cross, and he's dying on a cross. And then he died on that cross. And then two men, one man went to Pilate and said, I want the body so I can bury Jesus. They placed him in a tomb. And what, I just figured this out today. Maybe, I mean, it's probably in my mind, but he comes into Jerusalem on a donkey and colt that nobody's ridden, right? Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus are wrapping Jesus' body. And where do they lay him? In a tomb that no one ever laid in before. It was cut out for Joseph probably when he died. But nobody was in there before Jesus, and probably nobody after him was laid there. The tomb was sealed by what? A large stone. And then it was guarded by tomb, the tomb soldiers, the guards from the temple. It was sealed. But then one earthquake happened, and then what happened? The tomb was empty, and that's where we are today. The tomb is empty. The body of Jesus is no longer in the grave. 
Jesus has risen from the dead. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He's not dead. And we can all say what to that? Amen. And leave these doors and go proclaim it. Which we need to do. He appeared to many and we are going to look at a few of those witnesses today. And let me tell you, the witnesses we find in the Word of God are not just the only witnesses. We are all witnesses right here of the resurrection of Jesus. The message of Jesus rising from the dead spread out. It was spread. It didn't stay silent. The resurrection of Jesus, listen to this now. You've probably heard it before, but I'm going to say it. And if you haven't heard it, this might catch your attention. The resurrection of Jesus does not take place if there was no death on a cross. The two, in my understanding, go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. You've heard that phrase before, I hope. You can't have one without the other. Without the cross, you don't have the tomb. And without the tomb, you don't have the resurrection. You can't have one without the other. That's why we celebrate. Not only, I mean, we could celebrate the death of Jesus because that's how we are forgiven. But it doesn't stop there. New life happens with Jesus. We don't stay dead either in our sins. We come alive in Jesus and that's where we are today. Witnesses. So pray with me before we get into the Word of God. Lord, thank you so much for today. And the morning of Jesus is risen from the dead. He's no longer dead. He's a living Savior. And people have witnessed this resurrection. And we're going to hear from a few today. And the news of Jesus rising from the dead and Jesus giving new life has spread. And you can tell us and we can know that it's spread worldwide. Because we see Christians celebrating today all over the world. Saying we have new life in Jesus and it's only by His grace we are here today. Help us to learn and understand a little bit more from the story today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Like I said earlier, this was a long week in Jesus' life. And I, you can't get into the mind of Jesus. There's no possible way. But you can imagine Jesus comes into the city and He's clearing out the temple and He's eating these meals with His disciples. He's praying for them. But then He gets arrested. And He's brought before them and He's dead. And now He's risen from the dead. And we're going to see the story doesn't end there. The witnesses are here, and we can read about them. We're going to read about a few today, and you see them up there. The women. Then we have Thomas, and then we have Saul, later Paul. And I hope there's a, a weave of truth here that the news was spread from the women. And then it's spread from Thomas. You'll understand why when we talk about him. And then you know Paul, how it was spread worldwide in his day. And now we have it here today. Let's take a look. And if you're a preacher, you can run off the Scripture and it'll be all on two pages. And you can see there, there's a lot of Scripture there. So 
I got my cheat sheets here for me, so I'm not running through the pages, which it's from here, okay? I'm going to have you turn there if you have your Bibles, but I have the cheat sheets up here for myself. But the women are first. Look at these women. They're, all, they're in all four Gospels. Everybody say that. They're all in four Gospels. They're all in four Gospels. Women. Raise your hand if you're a woman. A woman. Keep your hands raised because I'm going to say this to you all. Only the women here today. I love you all. And I love women because we're going to see if it wasn't for these women, it wouldn't have spread first. And I hope us all men can say we thank God for women. Because I do. And you're going to see why because I think these women in Scripture are very important. Don't forget about these women. The first witnesses of the resurrected Jesus. You see in Matthew here, I'm just going to, if you want to turn there, you can, but I'm going to be kind of quick. We don't want to be here till midnight tonight. You see in Matthew, it says, after Sabbath, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. In Mark, you have Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices and they went to anoint Jesus' body. In Luke, you have the women took the spices they had prepared and went to, went to the tomb. And later it says it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the others with them. In John, it says Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. And you say, there's four Gospels this is the same story, but they're all different. Each gospel writer says it a little different. There was many women. There was a couple women. There was only one woman going to the tomb. But if you take it as a whole, it's so beautiful. These women are going to the tomb with the spices they've prepared One writer said, Joseph and Nicodemus wrapped the body so quickly they wanted to do a proper burial ceremony for Jesus. That's why they were going to the tomb that morning. Now, if you know anything about early history at this time, women were not valid witnesses. Here's what a couple writers have said. Michael Green in his Matthew commentary, if anyone was going to fabricate the story of the resurrection, would they have made the witnesses women? Of course not. But watch what he says here. Only God could have dreamed up so remarkable a thing. William Placker in his book, Jesus the Savior, said this, if someone had invented the story, however, I can think of no reason why women would have been cited as witnesses. And N.T. Wright in his book, Surprised by Hope, said, whether we like it or not, women were not regarded as credible witnesses in the ancient world. And then he goes on, Nobody would have made them up. It was true. The writers of the gospel, nobody would have made this up. Women, the first witnesses. And then you see in the gospels here, look at this. In Matthew, Jesus said to the women, 
Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Jesus has appeared to them. In Mark it says this. It's not Jesus though. It's the young man dressed in white robe sitting next to the right side of the tomb. It said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid Him, but go tell His disciples and Peter. We know why that is in there, right? Go tell the disciples, and especially Peter. He needs to hear this. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see Him just as He told you. In Luke, in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces. This is to the two men in clothes that gleam like lightning. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how He told you while He was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered His words. And then in John Mary Magdalene is the only cited one in John, but she came running to Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put Him. She didn't know where the body was. So she ran to Peter and John. And you know Peter and John run to the tomb and they look in and there's nothing there. They go back to where they were staying. And then Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene in the garden there, in the tomb garden. And Jesus speaks to her and says, Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I've seen the Lord. And she told them that He said these things to her. The women receive the first news of the resurrected Jesus and they get an announcement to say, go, tell the disciples that Jesus is risen from the dead. And what do they do? They share the news. And if you notice in the Gospel of, I had it, sorry, the Gospel of Luke, it says this, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. The women get the news of the resurrected Jesus and said, go tell the disciples. And what do the disciples do? They're like, mm, that's nonsense. We don't believe you. But in, also in Luke, Peter gets up, however. Peter's always the one running and running his mouth especially. But he's running to the tomb. He's bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. He was wondering, what just happened? But the women get this and they go share the message of Jesus. He's not dead. The women. And is their witness lost? Are they still proclaiming the message of the risen Savior? Yes, the women. 
the women. They have a voice. And they have a powerful voice because we still have it today. Praise God for that. Now, I understand a little bit about the disciples here, though. When the women come to him and said, we've seen the resurrected Jesus, and they don't believe. I have a story for you. Now, I forget the year, but my fr- I went to church one morning. It was a Sunday afternoon, actually, in Louisville, and I went to church. And my friend comes up to me because I'm a sports fan. And my friend comes up to me and says, Keith, did you hear the news? And I was like, what news? And my friend said, Kobe Bryant has died in a helicopter crash. And what was my first reaction? I didn't believe him. I said, no way. No way. So we go through the church service, and I'm thinking about this still, and I'm like, there's no way Kobe Bryant has died. He's just a little older than me. And he's a wonderful basketball player, which I'm a basketball player. He can't die. I didn't believe at first, but then I go home after church and I do research and I find out on SportsCenter what? That is true. The women here tell the disciples Jesus is risen and the disciples don't believe them until they figure out, yes, he is alive. I know how the disciples felt because I didn't believe in Kobe Bryant's death till I had saw it myself. News about the risen Savior spread because of these women going to the tomb to give Jesus a proper burial and they see the resurrected Jesus. And we have their accounts right here. What a blessing to know that these women shared the resurrected Jesus, the good news that Jesus is not in the grave the women. Don't forget the women. Say that out loud. Don't forget the women. They celebrated. They understood. Thomas, you may think, why is Thomas in here? How did news spread from Thomas? You'll find out. Go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Remember, Jesus, if earlier in this time, Jesus appears to the disciples, but Thomas wasn't there, okay? And Thomas comes back to the other disciples, and they say, Thomas, we've seen Jesus. The women's proclamation is true. Jesus is risen. Thomas, he's risen. What does Thomas do? He says, well, I don't believe you. I need to see him and touch him. Here's John chapter 20, starting in verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. 
Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas said, I can't believe you until I see it. Until I touch his hands, till I see those marks, I'm not going to believe it. And Jesus comes and says, I'm here. Look, Thomas, I'm here. Reach out and touch me. Now, it doesn't say Thomas even reached out and touched him here. All we have is, my Lord and my God. He believes. Merrill Tenney, a writer in his John commentary, said, Thomas would be satisfied by nothing less than the material evidence. He wanted something tangible. He wanted to touch it. He said, I won't believe till I have this in my hands. He goes on, Merrill goes on, Thomas, in light of the resurrection, applied to Jesus the titles of Lord and God, both of which were titles of deity. And we've learned this in weeks past. Jesus was not only human, but he's God in the flesh. And Thomas understood that. Here's another writer. Thomas has believed because of what he has seen. But what of those who know of the signs that Jesus performed only because they have heard or read what is written in this book? They have not touched Jesus. They have not seen Him. But having believed, they are blessed. That was from True to Our Native Land, an African-American commentator, Alan Callahan. The news spread. Why? How does the news spread from Thomas? You hear it at the end there. Jesus says, Because you have seen, you believed. Blessed are those who have not seen. Is that us? Is that us? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Thomas. Thomas didn't believe, but What does Jesus say? The news is being spread, Thomas. There's going to be people who believe that didn't even see me. The news was spread to us today. Merrill Tenney goes on, In the experience of Thomas, the writer has shown how belief comes to maturity, and listen to this, and how it changes the entire direction of an individual life. Was Thomas's life changed? Yes. Those who believe in Jesus today, are your lives changed? Has your life changed since you believed in Jesus? Since you started following the way, the truth, and the life, has your life changed? I know mine has. And we're thankful for Thomas's not example, but Thomas's story, because if it wasn't for Thomas doubting and having to need proof, I don't think Jesus, we would have never known what Jesus said. Blessed are those who have not seen, but yet believe. So the news spread, the women proclaiming the first witnesses saying, Jesus is risen. Thomas says, I need to see it. Jesus said, yeah, Thomas, you believe now, but there's going to be many, many more that haven't even seen me. And then you get to Saul, later Paul. 
And much of the New Testament is written by Paul. So we have a lot of his evidence. But listen to a little bit of his story here. Meanwhile, Saul was, in Acts chapter 9, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Now remember, Saul's story comes after Jesus has already ascended. He's not on the earth anymore in his resurrected body. He's ascended to heaven. But he was on the way to the chief priest or the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus, on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? He asked. Verse 5. Listen to this. I am Jesus. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Where Saul was heading to Damascus to persecute and throw into prison anybody who's following Jesus the way. And this light comes, the voice comes, and Paul, Saul says, who are you? I'm Jesus. Paul gets the, an appearance from the resurrected Jesus. Maybe it was just a voice. Maybe it was, I don't know. Maybe he saw something. I'm Jesus whom you persecuted. So Ananias gets a dream. He goes to Saul at the end of in chapter, in verse 17 of Acts 9, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul, Jesus appeared to Saul and Saul now had a mission. What was his mission? To go out and share Jesus with the world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 8, he's writing about the resurrection and he says this after he's written about the appearances to many. He says, And last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. Paul said, And last of all, he appeared to me. Later he says, I'm the least of the apostles. But what happens to the message of Jesus when Saul gets Jesus' appearance to him? What happens? The news was spread. Was spread out. People heard the resurrected Jesus. The good news that there is life everlasting in Jesus. Because he's not dead. He's alive. Now, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul continues to write here about the resurrection and 
So we've seen the news has been spread. If it wasn't for the women, we probably, I don't know, would this message have gone out if it wasn't for the women? And then you have Thomas doubting, I need to see it, but blessed are us who haven't seen and believed. And now Saul gets this vision and appearance from Jesus, and now he's commissioned to go out and spread the news, and he writes this to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach. This is what you believed. Verse 12, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. If Christ, listen to this, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. If there's no resurrected Jesus, why am I up here preaching? There's no point, right? If it's a dead Savior, there's no point to be up here and say, Jesus, and preach Jesus. He goes on. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead, but He did not raise Him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. Listen to this. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most be pitied. If Jesus was not raised, what are we doing? That's what Paul's saying. Our faith is useless if there's no living Savior. What would be the point of preaching a, a dead Savior? But Jesus was raised from the dead and Paul says, let's preach it. To whoever we can. I read an article this week, and maybe only Mike Wilson and I watched it, but Scotty Scheffler won the Masters. Okay? Anybody know who that is? Only me and Mike? Scotty Scheffler won the Masters tournament, golf tournament, if you don't know the Masters. But he was interviewed by Sports Spectrum magazine, which is a faith-based magazine. And the article says this. Later in a press conference with the media, Scheffler was asked how he balances his desire to compete, which is fierce, without letting it define who he is as a person. Scheffler then opened up about his faith. The reason why I play golf is I'm trying to glorify God and that He's done in my, and what He's done in my life. So for me, my identity isn't a golf course or a golf score. Like Meredith, his wife, told, me this mo- told him this morning, if you win this golf tournament today, if you lose this golf tournament by 10 shots, if you never win another golf tournament again, she goes, 
I'm still going to love you. You're still going to be the same person. Jesus loves you and nothing changes. All I'm trying to do is glorify God and that's why I'm here and that's why I'm in this position. Later in the article, he talks about his wife. She told me, Who are you to say that you are not ready to win this tournament? Who am I to say that I know what's best for my, for my life? And so what we talked about is that God is in control and that the Lord is leading me. And if today is my time, it's my time to win the tournament. And if I shot 82 today, you know, somehow I was going to use it for His glory. Scotty Scheffler did win the Masters, but he says my identity is not in the golf score. I could care less about what I shoot today. He wanted to win, yes. But if I lose another tournament, if I don't win at all, I'm still loved by Jesus and I'm still going to proclaim Jesus. And then at the end of the article, in the past, he was in 2018, he discussed his faith journey and what it's like being a Christian on the PGA Tour. He said this in 2018, People a lot of times think, well, if you become a Christian, God's just going to make everything easy for you. And that's not the case. But having the God of the universe, the Creator, on your side just makes things a, little, a lot easier to deal with. And the principles of the Bible are something that when you use them, you can see it manifest in your life. Scotty Scheffler, a golfer, he's only 26. And he says, yes, I'm the number one player in the world, but that doesn't matter. Jesus matters. Jesus matters. The women. Did Jesus matter to them? Oh, you bet you. Thomas, did Jesus matter to him? You bet you again. And Saul, Paul, did Jesus matter to Paul? I think so, because you can read about his life. So from Jesus, entering Jerusalem on a colt, among shouts of Hosanna, save us now. Then we hear Jesus exclaiming, it is finished. Remember that exclaiming on the cross, it's done. He gives up his spirit on the cross. Jesus is then laid in a tomb that was sealed by a large stone and guarded by soldiers. Then, Jesus raised from the dead. The tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. This past week, I hope that we all took time to remember what Jesus went through. The last week of His life, what he went through, but listen to this, what he went through for us. He didn't just do it to do it for himself. He did it for us. Jesus saves people from their sins. We can't do it on our own. And I love the resurrection of Jesus, and then I love what baptism pictures. 
you look at the cross, right? You see the cross. Jesus went to the cross, paid the penalty for our sins so that we can be saved from our sins, forgiven. On my ring here, I have crosses around my ring and in the inside it says forgiven. And I remember that today. I'm like, forgiven. At the cross, I'm forgiven, right? But then you, pick, you look at baptism. What happens in baptism? You're buried, right? You're buried with Jesus. Do we stay dead? Do we stay buried? I hope not. Because then the preacher, whoever is doing the baptism, is committing a murder. <laughs> Do we stay in the grave of the water? Yes? No? no? What happens? We are... We're raised to a new life in Christ. So you get the cross, you say, yes, I need Jesus. I can't do it on my own. Jesus, you went to the cross for us. Jesus saves people from their sins, right? You believe that, and then you're like, okay, I need this new life. So I get buried with Christ, just like Jesus was buried. And then what happens? The tomb is empty. We're raised to a new life, forgiven of our sins. The Holy Spirit comes in us, and oh man, man, what a experience. When you know that the God of the universe is inside of you, and you can proclaim the message, just like the women, just like Thomas, just like Saul, Peter, John, James, we learned him, right? We can go out these doors, or this door, if you go out this door, we can proclaim Jesus to whoever we come across. And one thing you can notice about the women, Thomas, after he saw Jesus, he went out and preached, I know that. I couldn't imagine that. He probably went out and told everybody. And Saul definitely told everybody of his day. We don't have to be ashamed. Don't be scared to say, Jesus has saved me. Do you want to know about Jesus? Let's sit down and talk about it. And then we talk to people about Jesus. And then maybe... The Spirit's going to work and say on that person's heart and that person says, hey, I want to follow Jesus. There's something different about you, so I want to know what's different and you, I want to be with you on this journey. Because also, what happens at baptism? The person comes up here, we get, they get baptized in the name of Jesus, they're raised to a new life. Are they on their own now? Are they on their own? Don't raise your hand, but if you got baptized, you were raised to a new life, did everybody say, okay, have a good journey. Bye-bye. What'd they say? I'm here for you. You have questions? Let's talk. You're struggling on your journey? Can you pray with me? I need some help understanding this scripture 
let's sit down and talk. It wasn't a raise to new life and out the door by yourself. It's a family. And one thing I like about family is you never forget about them. You never forget about your family. I've been a part of many different families. I'm 36 and I've been all over. Yes, I have a Mitchell family, yes. But I have family worldwide that I never would have met if it wasn't for Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The family of God is worldwide. So people here in the pews, people online, don't forget. Be a witness of the resurrected Jesus. Go out and proclaim Jesus. Make a difference. And I said I wasn't going to be here till midnight, but I can keep going, but I'm going to stop. Because we need to go out those doors and reach people for Jesus. Resurrection Sunday may be the only time you're going to sit in this pew. I don't know. If you're here for the first time at Ferris, sometimes I notice first-time people, and I'm like, I've never seen you before. But if this is the only time you set foot in a church building, hear this. Jesus loves you. Jesus went to the cross for you. He was buried for you. And he definitely, definitely rose for you. Like I said earlier, I didn't believe Kobe Bryant died. We don't know when we're going to die. I wish I could say I'm going to die at this time. I know it's coming. But we don't know when that day will come. But you know, today you're here. For some reason, you came into this church building here on in person or online. You came for a reason. Don't let this opportunity go to the wayside. I'm here for you. As a preacher of the good news, I'm here for you. And I know other people in this building are here for you if you need someone to talk to. Because I sit at my desk preparing sermons. I know every week I'm preparing a sermon. A message of encouragement, of hope, of good news. And I'm thinking of people in my head every day. This person, this person, what's going on in their life? I've got to pray for them. I don't know exactly what's going on, but Jesus, you put their name in my mind, so I'm going to say a prayer for them, and I hope they're okay. So, don't let this go to the wayside. I'm going to say this again. Jesus saves people from their sins. Pray with me today. Oh God, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thank you for this day we can celebrate with Christians all over the world about a living Savior. Jesus is risen from the dead. Yes, I said it, is risen from the dead. 
He's alive. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Spirit that's indwelling believers that guide us into truth. I pray for all of us who listened to your word today about the witnesses that proclaimed the risen Savior, and then it spread out even to us today. We are witnesses of the resurrected Jesus. Help us to be witnesses as we leave these doors because people need to know Jesus. And Jesus gives life, eternal life. Help us to not be ashamed of the good news of Jesus. And it's his, in His wonderful name. Oh, it's a name above every name. Jesus Christ. Amen.